0: Good evening and welcome to this month's edition of the Disability Report. On the show this evening, I'll be chatting as usual with Ari Seelis, National Director of the Quad Para Association of South Africa, who own Rolling Inspiration magazine, and he'll be telling us more about the Presidential Working Group on Disability, the Sabat Power Wheelchair Race, and this year's Quads for Quads event, as well as about the Tourism Grading Lilizela Awards and a new book, called The Etoll Saga, A Journey from CEO to Civil Activist, and that was written by Wayne Duvenage. Cara Learning is the Director of SLED, Sign Language and Education, and she'll be telling us about the work that they do, as well as about some of the programs they're running. Chris Patton is Project Manager, Strategic Tourism Services for South African National Parks, and he'll be on the line to be telling us about their Wheeling, Feeling, Signing Wild Universal Guide for Guests with Disabilities. And then Michelle Boerter, Funding Development and PRO for the Cape Town Society for the Blind will be joining us. And we'll be talking about the upcoming Eye to Eye Summit, as well as about the services offered by the society. And a reminder, if you need any information about something you hear on the show this evening, take a look at the Facebook page, Disability on SAFM, or you can email me directly on disability at safm.co.za. Well, that's the lineup for this evening. I do hope you'll stay with me and enjoy the show here on SAFM. The Disability Report with Karen Key. Well, as usual, we start the show chatting with Ari Sealis. He's the National Director of the Quad Para Association of South Africa. And this month, he'll be telling us about the Presidential Working Group on Disability, the Sabat Power Wheelchair Race, and this year's Quads for Quads event, as well as about the Tourism Grading Lilizela Awards and a new book entitled The E Toll Saga, A Journey from CEO to Civil Activist. Ari, good evening. Welcome back to the show
1: thank you. Good evening.
0: Well, we've got a, quite a lineup of things to talk about this evening. Let's talk. Start off with the presidential working group on disability.
1: Okay, I think that the whole disability sector is uh, eager to to understand um, and when the announcement is going to be made and who the people are that will be representing disability on the presidential working group, which was announced about a year ago, that this would be formulated in order to try and give some compensation to the movement of disability from its own. Ministry to Department of Social Development. Well, slowly, slowly, a number of people uh, with disabilities have been notified that they will be serving, and I don't think it will be long, so to almost keeping you out of your suspense, that the list of the 45 people uh, that will be serving will be made public and the first meeting will be called. Only one meeting per annum, but um, just um, for the eager beavers, uh, announcement soon to be made.
0: Well, at least something is happening now, Ari.
1: Let's wait and see what the outcome of this uh, working group will be, but um, it's soon to be uh, constituted now.
0: Enough all the exciting stuff, the wheelchair race and the Quads for Quads event.
1: Yes, I thought it was worth mentioning that well in advance that on the 31st of October, there's, uh, you know Quads has had this relationship with Savit Batteries, uh, whereby annually they have uh, a power wheelchair race and they haven't had one for a few years was traditionally at Kyle Army, and now it's going to be at Red Star Racing on 31st of October. So it gives you plenty of time to prep your power wheelchair. And, uh, you know, contact Quaza if you're interested in seeing who's the fastest quad on the block and do a lap round Red Star on this amazing day of power wheelchair racing. So one in advance, 31st of October, and Quaza is the agency you contact if you want to enter your power
0: chair. And quads for quads, are you always an active participant? Yes,
1: you know, I might be getting a bit old uh, and not as resilient as I have been, but this is an annual event now uh, happening end of September, beginning of October, where 600 off-road motorcyclists and then within that group also included always about a dozen quadriplegics and paraplegics on the adapted off-road bikes. Uh, We'll ride uh, from Johannesburg to Durban and also then from Durban to Johannesburg to raise money for Quasa. It's the biggest off-road event of this nature in the country. And so uh, if anyone's out there with an adapted off-road motorbike, um, also contact Quasa and we'll find a way of offering you the support and getting you on this amazing epic journey uh, through the bush over mountains, through rivers, uh, to ride um, on this off-road event um, and just show what you're made of. So also, well in advance, but it's uh, point is announcing this in the month that's happening. Lots of preparation time to um, uh, adapt and fire up your motorcycle.
0: I'm sure everybody knows by now about Quads for Quads, but for those who possibly aren't that sure, just tell them where it goes from and to. It's, it's a back-and-forth race, oh, isn't it? Oh, and,
1: and amazing. It starts at Carnival City, and the first night you get to Staniton, which is 200 kilometres, and all off-road, and then from Stanerton to Newcastle down Majuba Pass, through some tunnels along some railway tracks. Uh, from Newcastle, that goes to Wienan, through some amazing rural areas uh, and the mountain ranges there, and then from Wienan through the valleys of 1,000 Hill all the way to Belito. And so it's about 250 kilometers a day, 1,000 kilometers of off-road in four days. You really need stamina. Um, you need to um, put aside the luxuries, um, but uh, most importantly, you're doing it for a great cause.
0: And uh, it's one of QASA's biggest fundraising events.
1: Yes, it's um, it's nice cash in the bank, so it uh, allows us unrestricted funding you know, to be able to run the, the organization's operational costs. And I think all NGOs should have a combination, well, good ratio between having formal fund, funded programmes through the corporate sector, which they like to brand, and, and these are restricted funds that have uh, reporting obligations, to also having your own events and campaigns which allow you unrestricted use of the funding, you know, and that creates sustainability in an NGO.
0: And now the Tourism Grading Zeller Awards. Tell me about that.
1: Yes, I think it's worth
0: telling the public
1: that um, the Tourism Grading Council have their annual awards, now called the the Zeller Awards, and it, you know, tells you who's the best five-star, four-star, three-star, et cetera, hotel, um, but included in, or or establishment, or guest lodge, or B&B, or experience, but included in the Zeller Awards now for the third year, is universal access. And I think it's very useful that we have now been acknowledged. It's integrated into the award system, and um, universal access is judged not only on the physical environment um, that's provided by the establishment that enters, but also the experience, you know, how sensitized are the staff within these establishments, or whether it be tourism attractions, let's say the Kimberley Big Hole or an experience in the game park, or whether it be, or Sharka. So, they, they, we assess the, the experience and the knowledge of uh, the people that are working there to accommodate people with disabilities in the experience. So, you know, if you're looking for somewhere to go, also go and see who's won the Lily Zema Awards and know that you're going to get excellent experience, but of course, a very universally accessible, uh, environment as well. So, those awards, we've, we've just completed the judging, and then those, that the, the announcement will be made by the Tourism Grading Council quite soon on who the winners are in the various categories.
0: Now, I'm sure most people who've been following the Etoll Saga have heard the name Wayne Duvenage um, over the years and months that have been going past, but he's now come out with a book, The Etoll Saga, A Journey from CEO to Civil Activist.
1: Yes, thanks for, for slotting that in at the end of my opportunity to talk. That tomorrow at Exclusive Books, they'll be launching the Etoll Saga, which is the whole story from the beginning, to now, it's not the end yet, but um, it's the cloak-and-dagger stuff, the stuff we never read about in the media, and also facts about this, um, the eTolls and, and what you didn't know and what maybe newspapers were were a little bit nervous to print um, you know, for their own sustainability. So it's, well, it's a great read. It's an awesome book, and it acknowledges the work of the disability sector as well in their stand against eTolls. So you'll get to read a lot about um, Quaz's involvement, and um, our viewpoint and some of the stuff that went on in, in the back rooms and the passageways um, at various meetings, um, a wonderful read. And I have no doubt that this book will also be used in case studies because it's very factual and it says it as it should be said.
0: Now, I've seen that it's available through Amazon as a Kindle book. Is it available in soft softcover, hardcover as well or just as a Kindle? Uh, okay,
1: I'm not sure about that, but, um, you know, uh, a, a prominent bookstore, um, if you allow me to say, exclusive yes. books, will have it on their shelves and right. others. Okay. Then, of course, you'll be able to download it as a Kindle. As e-book a
0: Kindle as well, yeah. And,
1: and Kindle. Yeah. But, um, you know, if you've taken it, you don't have to be a person with a disability. Now, go and read the mm. Detail Saga because it, it tells you some essential things and it gives you civil courage to realise what's happened here is wrong. You know, the consultation process never happened. And we as South Africans, uh, my personal view, is we just don't, we don't have to accept stuff that was imposed upon us. You know, if we know the facts now, it must give you some bravery to say, no, I'm not going to accept that." We're still going to challenge why there should be these gantries over the
0: freeways. Well, something we can all go and uh, get our teeth into, something uh, very meaty by the sounds of it and well worth a good read. Ari, thank you so much once again for joining us. We look forward to our chat next month. Corin, thank you. Thanks, Ari. Good night to you. Bye-bye. Ari Silas is the National Director of the Quad Paro Association of South Africa who own Rolling Inspiration magazine. If you're wanting to get your own copy of Rolling Inspiration, they're available at pick-and-pay pharmacies as well as being sold by subscription. You can also find them on the web on rollinginspiration.co.za. And if you need any information from the Quad Paro Association, you can call them on 0860 rolling or take a look at their website www.quaza.co.za. and Quaza is qasa so Quaza.co.za.
1: nelson mandela fought hard for equal rights for all honor him by respecting the rights of others on mandela day and beyond safm the power to make a difference is in all us. The Disability Report with Karen Key.
0: SLED or Sign Language Education and Development's vision is to see all of South Africa's deaf children achieving their full potential. Their main objective is to facilitate the deaf child's equal and democratic right to literacy and learning through the promotion of South African Sign Language. And joining me now in our Cape Town studio is Kara Learning, Director of SLED. Kara, good evening. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Karen. So let's talk about SLED. How long have you been in operation?
2: Uh, we've been running for since 2001. That's when we founded the organisation. Yeah.
0: And what is the status of sign language in South Africa?
2: Well, we've got exciting news now that sign language has become a subject in schools for the deaf for the first time. They're rolling it out this year. Um, it still comes with lots of uh, teething problems, but it's very exciting that this has finally happened. One wonders why it's taken so long. Uh, in, in fact, yeah, it has taken long, but we are also one of the few countries in the world that have sign language as a subject oh, in really? school the deaf. Yeah, really? That is
0: very is, exciting, yes. yes. That's no, very it's very exciting. It's How important is this for the child, to have it as a subject now at school?
2: Well, for the first time, you can imagine you, deaf children are able to study their own, their first, their, well, we put in inverted commas, home language, but it's their first language, which is really exciting. And this really has an opportunity to um, increase their written literacy skills. South African sign language is not, or any sign language, is not. A, there's no written form. So a deaf child has to immediately be thrown into learning two languages as soon as they have to learn to read and write. They learn in their second language. So... To to have a foundation of a first language, understand that, the grammar and the linguistics of one language, to be able to learn to read and write in another language, it's really exciting because it supports the the deaf child in terms of literacy.
0: Now having something like this now coming into the schools, which as you said is very exciting, what about the availability of materials though? Yeah. Yeah.
2: There's a real dearth for um, around materials and SLED is one of the only organisations that is um, developing the materials. We've been doing it for years, anticipating this to come. Um, so we've been developing stories, poems, um, all sorts of activities to assist um, learning and teaching support materials specifically for the, the subject.
0: And now we've got the materials, we've got it being introduced as a subject. What about training of teachers?
2: Good question. <laughs> um, I'm not too sure if, if you might know if lis- listeners are aware that it's, it's for many years sign language, South African sign language hasn't been offered for teachers to, you know, they arrive at schools, they're employed at schools for the deaf and they don't know South African sign language. So they try and teach the learners Their first language is sign language, but the teachers don't have the skills, um, and they learn on the job. So the learners have to wait until the teachers can communicate with them in order to have access to the curriculum, which is really painful for the children because they are kept back. So um, slowly now the teachers are being trained in South African sign language as a language of learning and teaching which um, we call LOLT. Uh, that's one area. So there are very, very few teachers that are so specialized that they can teach it as a subject. Um, so that, that's the kind of roll-out slow process of, of what has to still take place. And
0: you're involved with that as well?
2: Yeah. SLED is involved in training teachers in South African Sign Language, how to use it as a, a, as a LOLT, and also to teach it as a subject.
0: I always wonder about children that use South African Sign Language, about the families, about the parents and the siblings. Mm. Do you offer workshops possibly for them to come and learn to how to communicate with their own
2: child? Yeah, it's, it's a very difficult situation because children, ninety plus or minus 94% of deaf children are born into hearing families. So the language that they're born into is not accessible to them. Um, and unfortunately, parents are not able or don't have the financial backing to be able to go and just learn South African Sign Language which is the language of their child um, and unfortunately we are not able to, we don't have the funds to be able to offer that freely to parents uh, which we would love to do um, and we often request that um, people sponsor us, sp- sponsor a parent to learn the language um, in Scandinavian countries, obviously, this is all offered freely. So as mm. soon as there's a deaf child born to the family, they immediately are immersed in this, this beautiful language and it becomes the language and culture, second language and culture of the family. Unfortunately, that's still a long way off for South African families.
0: But there is the opportunity, though, to learn it. I do, you, do you offer people the opportunity. We offer,
2: yes, most certainly. We offer sign language classes, um, workshops. And we welcome parents, specifically parents or caregivers.
0: Now, you are based in Cape Town. Is your reach stretch further than just here in the Western Cape?
2: We have an office in the Western Cape and in Johannesburg. So that's Cape Town, Johannesburg. And we offer training in both, in both cities.
0: Now I was looking through your website, and one of the things that really fascinated me was the fact that you're also working on a project where you are recording oral history.
2: Yes, it's one of my personal passions is really to record um the elderly deaf. I think we have an amazing history, and it's a history that's slowly being lost with the 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 older generation of the deaf. They have many stories to tell. And sign language isn't a written form, so you have to we really have to record those stories before we don't have these elderly. Uh, that generation any longer and these valuable stories that they have to tell and that's something that um, we're still trying to generate funding as you can imagine recording and creating um, production costs are really high and traveling costs so that is something that we are slowly um, doing at the moment but it's something that we need to hurry up and do
0: but something like sign language you would think that businesses and uh, people out there you know in the hospitality industry for example we've got visitors coming in all the time that they would possibly be wanting to employ somebody like SLED to come in and train some of their staff so they can communicate with their guests or with other staff members do you have any of that
2: we do run an accredited sign language course um it's, it's, a, it's like any other language. So, if you want to learn Isikosa or French or Russian or something, it's as complicated as that. So, one would have to have an intense training. Um, but we do offer accredited level four, level five um, sign language courses. And yeah, that, that happens annually. Um, and it's, it's open to the public, to anybody who would. We also do uh, customized training. So, yeah.
0: How long is a course if people are listening and thinking, I wouldn't mind doing that?
2: It depends. We, can, we do an introduction course, which is a crash course. You're completely immersed in the silent world of the deaf, learning South African Sign Language, and that would be a three-day um, crash course where it's a full day where you, you don't speak. You are thrown into learning South African Sign Language. Um, or it's over a 21-week period where it's once a week that you're learning and then you you integrating it while you're learning. We have DVDs to assist you doing your homework, etc. So it depends what, what kind of course. We can also just do a, a one-day awareness uh course, giving you a bit of vocabulary of just greetings and things like that.
0: Now, we keep saying South African sign language. People are yes. wondering, what well, not sign language just sign language? It's very different depending on where you go in the world. Yeah. How different is our sign language to the rest of the world?
2: It's, uh, everybody says, um, you know, the most common thing is, but I thought it was universal. And, oh, shame, why isn't it universal? Mm-hmm. And we say, well, you know, why isn't any language? Why don't we have one language in the world? Um, it, it really is a language that belongs to the culture and and the country. So neighboring countries like a Zimbabwean young woman came into our office who was deaf, and her sign language is very different from South African sign language. And it's not related to any spoken language. So we would have British sign language and South African sign language completely different, or American sign language. You might have the, the grammatical structure might be similar, there would be similar aspects to the language, but vocabulary is, is very different.
0: Because I think there is a, a total misconception that sign language is sign language, and so no matter where you go in the world, you should be able to communicate, but that isn't the case.
2: No, it's not the case. But if I met another deaf person uh, from another country, I certainly would be able to communicate with them more easily. I think because it's it's um, the basics are there. You're communicating mm-hmm. in space. You're using. Uh, you could use iconic signs. We've got certain signs that we use classifiers, which is quite universal. So you would be able to, to um, at least understand each other to some degree. You know, if I had to meet a Japanese person who's deaf, I would be able to communicate to some extent. Whereas if I had to speak to them, I wouldn't be able to.
0: So you have an advantage then. I do. Oh, that's great. (laughs) (laughs) Now, going back to the very beginning, we were talking about the the fantastic thing that sign language is now going to be a subject in school. But one of the other programs, staying with the children, is that you do run a a, a literacy program for the the really young children.
2: Well, what we try and do is what, which we are very, very passionate about, is that um, I'm not too sure if your listeners are aware that because they are learning two languages, um, that the sign language and the written English is so completely different that it's something that we um, use. We've we've created a a whole program called Open Doors. Um, to literacy, which is looking at three little characters, Puti, Yasmin, Tandiwe, and Yan. We've developed a whole um, story program on DVD and then books and written they written in English and so we provide training as to how to bridge from the one language to the other. So it's language that isn't written, South African Sign Language, and then how do you apply that to written English? And we bridge that, the, the two, really in a fun way, working with the little ones. The, the main aim is getting the deaf child literate in South African Sign Language first and then bridging it, creating that foundation in their first language and then bridging it to the written English, comparing the two languages. It would be the same as if when I was at school I, I was fluent in English and then eventually I started learning Afrikaans and I had the foundation of the grammar so I could keep comparing the two. So that is what we were trying to encourage with the, in schools for the deaf. You know, I, I was listening to you
0: tell that now, you s- often I, well, I would never have really thought about it, but do you think a child learns to read by hearing the sounds and when you can't hear the sounds, how do you learn to read?
2: So yeah. So often the children are, are taught phonetically. Mm. So that isn't something that is done with the deaf. No. Obviously, it's not. That's we taught about the cat that sat on the mat. Yes. And with regards to the deaf, it's a completely different thing. That's it's you're using it more as a visual. They deaf children deaf people learn through the eyes not through the ears and that's something that hearing people hearing teachers really battle with that mm. it's everything that they learn is through the eyes not through the ears so most certainly you can't learn phonetically mm.
0: it's a very different concept and you, know, it's, you don't really get your head around and think about these things yeah. until you said it now and i'm thinking gosh she yes, said that is quite different
2: very don't different. really
0: realize that yeah. how can the general public help you Cara, because I'm sure you must need a lot of assistance.
2: Well, as um, I heard Ari speaking about this as well, it's obviously as an NGO, funding is Mm -hmm. always the the issue. And for us to not be tied up with... uh, We don't get funding from government in any way. We provide service. Um, We do get funding from the National Arts Council and Lottery, but that is always something, you know, we are always needing funding. So y- people who would like to do give us donations, we are a public uh, PBO, so there is tax exemption from any funds that come in. And, um, you know, you can do a monthly debit order or you can sponsor a parent to, to learn South African Sign Language to communicate with their own child. Or you could sponsor maybe a, a, a story or a poem that we are developing um, that sort there's of lots things. of ways so that people there, can there are get many involved. Ways, yes, and I'm
0: right. sure they can have a look at the website. It's sled.org.za, and there's all these. Options are on there and they can have a look and see what maybe you know something that appeals to them and they can get involved and help.
2: Yes, sure. And also on our Facebook, we constantly have information and news up there on our Facebook. So please and what is your like Facebook? Us.
0: It's also Sled. SLED. Okay, sled, so yeah, they can you find can, you.
2: Most certainly have a
0: look at people always carrying their phones around. There's something else for you to go and have a look at now. Cara, I've learned so much from you tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been fascinating chatting with you.
2: Thank you so much, Cara. And I hope
0: some people again to sort of go and have a look at the website and the Facebook page and get involved. It's something really worthwhile, and it's one of those feel-good things. You know, when you get involved in something like this, know that you're getting involved in a really good... Organization that's doing really great work, and it's the very exciting news now that it's going to be in schools. I can't wait for that. I think that's marvelous. I was just, just very briefly, when my son was training to be a teacher, he one of his uh, little things that he had to go and do. One of his um, teaching training things was at a school for for the deaf, and he was fascinated, and he picked up quite a bit in the two weeks that he was there. And he Mm. said it was remarkable. I don't know whether he's kept it up, but he was quite excited by the fact that he was learning. Um, to be able to communicate with the children, he thought it was wonderful.
2: another language. So, I, yes. I, you know from our side, we always say that to to have a deaf child born into the family or in, or is not we don't see it as a disaster or a shame or a disability. It's the most wonderful culture and language that is is brought into the world. and it's our in one of our indigenous languages and we need to embrace it.
0: Well, what a wonderful way to end this. But uh, Cara, thank you so much for your time this evening.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Karen, for the opportunity.
0: Cara Learning is the director of SLED. That's the sign language education and development. And for more information, there's a website. It's sled.org.za or you can have a look at the Facebook page. Just look for SLED.
3: Gadgets,
4: apps, tech experts, cameras, Wi-Fi, broadband, Google Hangout, the cloud, data costs. I talk to the voices of tech media on Afternoon Talk,
3: Tuesdays at 2.30pm.
0: The Disability Report with Karen Key. Well, Sandparks recently launched their Wheeling, Feeling, Signing Wild Guide to Universal Access at South Africa's National Parks for Guests with Disabilities. And to tell us more, I'm joined now by Chris Patton, Project Manager, Strategic Tourism Services for Sandparks. Chris, good evening. Welcome to the show. Hi, Chris. This is a wonderful guide. I've been looking through it, and I mean, it's absolutely jam-packed with information about all the sand parks and destinations, and what's available at each one of them. It's, it's wonderful. Where did the idea come from to put this all together in one guide?
3: Well, you were talking to Ari Silas earlier mm. about running, running inspiration, and um, we've been uh, advertisers and supporters of Running Inspiration for over a decade, and um, for the last five or so. Uh, yeah, every edition we had a feature on a different park, or in some of the larger parks and camps and in that park. And just to give people an idea of what they can expect, uh, because you know, as people with disabilities, we live our lives and a lot of us don't know what's out there, what um, one can encounter, uh, both in terms of facilities and also what sort of things one can expect to see in the parks from a cultural, biological and, and historical perspective. So it was a case of pulling these all together, and um, it was something that the, the publishers came to me uh, one day and said, we'd like to sort of set things up, and how about having, having uh, putting everything together in a supplement, uh, a booklet, a guide, and uh, yeah, I chatted to our marketing uh, department, and they and loved the idea, and were prepared to sponsor it.
0: Now, you you mentioned URI and, and rolling inspiration, but it's not just about people with physical and mobility um, disabilities. It's also for the blind and visually impaired and also for the deaf and hearing impaired visitors.
3: Absolutely. Um, you know, in national parks, uh, their vision is all about connecting to society. And connecting to society means that they have to be universally accessible. And that covers uh, a wide range of, of disabilities. Um mm-hmm. You know, physical disability and access to people with mobility impairment is maybe uh, the thing that often gets focused on because it um, requires the manipulation uh, and the adaptation of, of physical facilities, accommodation, bird hides, and nature trails—that sort of thing. Where you've got to put in pathway widths and get surface areas correct, but didn't. Um, you know,
0: Oh, we have seem to have lost Chris That line seemed sounded to me like it was going For a while, but we were going to try and get him back But in the meantime, what we were talking about There was this amazing guide, it's called Wheeling, Feeling, Signing Wild And it's a comprehensive guide to universal access In South African national parks For guests with disabilities I do have this available, so if you're wanting A copy of this, you can drop me a mail To disability at and I will email it to you It is quite a long guide But it emails relatively well I've downloaded it myself. So I've got I've done done all the hard work for you. It's downloaded. But I'll just pop it off to you in an email if you're looking for it. And it's wonderful because it's got each of the different parks is on a separate page and it has accessibility features that tells you exactly what's available their travel tips there's all sorts of wonderful things and then there's also general information in it as well so if you'd like a copy of that just drop me a mail to disability at safm.co.za and i think we might have had some luck getting chris back on the line so if you give me a moment i think we're just connecting him now chris you back with us I
3: am, and I don't know, I, I, I was r- racking on in the monologue, so I don't know <laughs> what you
0: heard and what you didn't. So. No, we, we sort of got to the part of, where I, mean, I asked you about not just um, having things accessible for people with mobility issues, also with the deaf and the visually impaired as well, and you were telling me about that.
3: Yeah, um, so if, if I'm repeating myself, I apologise for that. Um, there's definitely been a, a bigger focus on, on mobility and over the years, partly because um, that is to do with sort of m- manipulating and adapting physical facilities, uh, whereas uh, looking after people with sensory impairment often comes down to staff-sensitization
0: Oh we're not having very much luck with Chris's line at all. Not quite sure why this line keeps dropping. Obviously I mean he's up I don't know where he is actually. Um and we normally have such good luck these days with cell phones. I always ask for a landline and a cell phone and for some reason um this we uh, lately we've been having much better luck with cell phones than we have with landlines. And uh, tonight we're just not having much luck with Chris's cell phone. I hope the next one's getting next interview is going to be okay because that's also on a cell phone and I'm hoping that that one isn't going to be as bad as this one. So just to Reminder again about the guide. It's called Wheeling Feeling Signing Wild. And um, you can drop me a mail to disability at SAFM. .co.za for that. So we're not having much luck. Now, what I think we're going to do is to try and get hold of our next guest. In the meantime, Michelle Berta. We'll talk to her. And then while we're busy talking to her, hopefully we'll be able to reach Chris again because his phone apparently now has gone to voicemail. So if we can, uh, hopefully he'll hang that up. And uh, in the meantime, we'll try and get hold of Michelle. We're going to be talking to her about the Cape Town Society for the Blind. They've got a summit coming up called Eye to Eye and a lot of interesting things going on there. So we're going to hopefully get hold of her. But also, as we were talking earlier to Cara Learning about South African Sign Language, and um, if you want you to find out more, they're also always looking for people to help out with donations and possibly time. They need help with that as well. You can have a look at their website. It's sled.org.za, S-L-E-D, sled.org.za. It stands for Sign Language Education and Development. And there's also a Facebook page, which is also SLED. So if you're wanting more information on that, go and have a look at that. And when I was talking to Ari, just a reminder, he was talking about this new book, which he says it's not just for people who are who possibly were involved or had anything to do with the Etoll Saga. He says it's a very meaty, interesting book to have a look at. It's called The Etoll Saga, A Journey from CEO to Civil Activist, and it's by Wayne Duvenage. It is available, he says, at Exclusive Books. Also, it's available as a Kindle book, one of those on, uh, e-books um, via Amazon. So have a look at that. Right. The Cape Town Society for the Blind was founded in 1929 and it's a registered non-profit organization committed to empowering blind and visually impaired people to become independent and active citizens. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Michelle Boerter, Funding Development and PRO for the Society. Michelle, good evening. Welcome to the show. Hi there. Right. So the Cape Town Society for the Blind. Tell me a little bit about the work that you do there.
4: Right. So at um, the Cape Town Society for the Blind, or CTSB, as we call it for short, um, we're in the business of empowering people to become economically independent. Um, And so what we do is offer a variety of skills, training, and development for blind and visually impaired people. We also support 40 entrepreneurs at our premises who are in the business of weaving cane and material products. And then we also offer a variety of other supports, mobility training, um, skills of daily living training. We want to basically make sure that everyone who walks through our doors is fully equipped to um, live independently, to um, travel independently, and to to become economically independent as well so that they can support themselves and live full and independent
0: lives. Now, you've got something coming up uh, called the Eye to Eye Tell me a little bit about yes. that.
4: Yes. So on uh, Thursday, this coming Thursday, the 9th of July, we have a um, summit coming up, which we're calling Eye to Eye. And it's, it's a morning event, and we're running a, a discussion, an open panel discussion. We've got a panel of um, six amazing people with visual impairment, professional people from various walks of life and from various fields. And um, they've they've availed themselves to come along and to answer questions um, posed to them by, from the floor. Um, so it's a chance to really come along and ask any questions about the experience of visual impairment. I, I think often we we find disability quite difficult to talk about. And, and there are a lot of sort of barriers to having an honest, open conversation. You're never really sure how to ask things and what's the correct way of... Going about having a conversation about these kind of difficult things is, and so what we really wanted to do is make an open space for people to come along and and ask the questions that they that they're interested to know the answers to in a way in a safe space in a space where where nothing's really off limits and where our panel are going to be open to to answering and to having an interesting conversation. So we're hoping it's going to be quite lively, quite energetic, and yeah, quite a fun morning.
0: So it's it's actually great. I mean, it's open to the public, Michelle.
4: Yes. So, if, if you're a person who is interested in, in disability, interested in perhaps you're a student, perhaps you're a teacher, and, and you're interested in coming along um, to join the conversation, then yes, it is it is open to everyone.
0: It's a wonderful way to get people involved and to create more awareness, because I think there could possibly be a lack of awareness as well, unfortunately, mm. when it comes to this.
4: Yeah, I mean, definitely. We see that, we see that a lot in, in a lot of our work and in a lot of the people that we work with, that... Um, that there's still very dominant stereotypes in in our society about what it means to to have a disability, what people are capable of, and um, and yeah, we really want to be involved in transforming people's perceptions and in starting these these very important conversations.
0: You know, I, I often talk on the show a lot. I mean, uh, people have mentioned it before that if you're if you find yourself in a wheelchair, people tend to talk to the person with you, or they speak louder, or you know, they they mm-hmm. think you're not going to understand. And I would assume it's a similar kind of reaction with people with a visual impairment that people will talk to the other person that's with you, possibly, yes. and or they'll talk louder. They think it might help. You know, it's yes. it's, it's the strangest thing. Yeah, and I think
4: there's, there's some there's some shared experiences that that you know kind of span disability experience that we can all relate to. Um, yeah, because there, there are these stereotypes that kind of are functioning and have functioned for, you, forever. And, um, yeah, we really want to be encouraging people to, to think differently and to kind of broaden their perspectives through through relating to one another in an open and, and honest way.
0: Now, the Cape Town Society for the Blind itself, you can come along there. I mean, you've got some amazing things. Your showroom yes. is fabulous. You've got a cafe there. Tell me a little bit about what goes on actually at the society because people can come and interact with each other and experience some of the wonderful things that you've got on offer mm. there as well. Tell me about that.
4: Absolutely. So we actually have a lot going on on our premises every day. Um, and it's quite a bustling, busy, sort of lively environment. And we really love people to come visit us. Um, and I think a lot of people don't realize that you actually can pop in and come and see us. Um, so we have our amazing little coffee shop, which serves some really great meals, really great prices as well. Um, so, you know, feel free to pop in for a cup of coffee. Then we've got our showroom with um, with, with the, the cane and material products that our people make. And, and yeah, if you want to come along and actually have a walk around, then, then we're available to do that. We actually have um, people on our staff who are available to take you around on a tour to show you um, what we do. Once you once you come into the premises and kind of start walking around it, you realize how big it is and how much is actually going on. Um, every day we've got our, our entrepreneurs there. They're, they're busy weaving and, and working and you can meet them and chat to them. And we've got a whole lot of people doing various um, training courses. So... You know, come along and see how someone with a visual impairment uses a computer. That's that's a very interesting thing to experience as well. So we really have some some interesting things that that people can come and come and see, and we love people to come
0: visit us. Now I'm going to be giving out the website shortly, but the, one of the downsides, or maybe it isn't a downside, is if you don't live in Cape Town and you look at that website and you can see some of the stuff that you can buy from the showroom. Um, can you buy it if you don't live in Cape Town? Can you get it anywhere else in the country?
4: We're not at that stage yet. Okay, we then there's a downside. Okay. Down. <laughs> so There is a downside, but we're hoping to start. Um, we've got some, some exciting online options in the pipeline in terms of making the purchase of your product Slightly easier, but obviously, first prize is for you to come in and, and actually see us. Because I mean, so that, there's an excuse uh, to come yeah, and visit well, Cape Town, there you go. As, if, as if you needed another well, one. Well, yeah, there
0: you go, one more excuse to come to Cape Town. But I mean, <laughs> the, some of the th- the products you can see in, on on the website are just remarkable. Yeah,
4: we really have such beautiful things, um, really long lasting as well. The quality is just excellent. Um, yeah, and such a, a wide variety as well, of cane products and of of material products as well. Some really beautiful things.
0: One of the interesting things I found on your website, Michelle, was the I-Corps team building events that you have run there as well. Tell me about those. Yes, so
4: we love these. These are fantastic. Um, What they essentially are is a meal in the dark, but we don't use blindfolds. We don't blindfold your guests. We actually completely black out a venue so that you really get a realistic experience of, of blindness. So we offer lunches and dinners, and for we, you can do an intimate event of about 12 people if you want to do something quite small, or we can do events for as many as 80 people. And they really are just very exciting team building events in particular, but I mean, you can use them for anything. We've had people come along and for example, do, do their corporate annual meetings that have an I-Corps as part of that. Um, they really they really are fun. And they're also quite, um, yeah, they, they really change people's perspectives, but in a fun way. So we find people really enjoy them. They're really grateful for communication because you put the lights off and you communicate in a completely different way. Um we do encourage people to wear dark clothes because they do get a little messy, yes. <laughs> um, as you can imagine. But and it also, you know, as part of that, you can you can kind of tailor the event to suit you. You know, what you want to do in terms of a meal, if you want to have, if you want to bring along someone to speak or to do some music, so you can really make it quite an entertaining event, and we're expanding and starting to do wine tastings in the dark as oh, well, Oh, wow. okay. which is also a very nice little feature.
0: Is this something that really is only for team building, or could people get a group of friends together and come and do a lunch?
4: Absolutely. Or can you Absolutely. Do th- I mean, mm. it, you can really use it for, for anything. It would be a very it's a cool way to kind of have a birthday party or just get together with some friends as well. Um, so we offer them at our premises. We've got um, a couple of venues. We do all the catering for that as well. But if you want to have it at, a, at an external venue, then we can actually come along and provided we can black it out sufficiently, um, we can do it for you at a venue of your choice as well.
0: Gosh, so that, that sounds like something really different to do and something very worthwhile. Because it's, besides mm. having a lot of fun, it's also a learning experience.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And it really helps people to kind of step into someone else's shoes in a, in a real way. So I think people find them quite, quite intense on one level. But it's a way of of really having an awareness experience, but, but in a way that's still quite fun.
0: Right. And how would they book one of those things? Would they just uh, give you a call and book that? Do yeah. you have certain days mm-hmm. of the week that you do them? How do you work those?
4: Um, you can give our offices a call, and um, one of our staff members will assist you with, with booking that and helping you to kind of build the event. And, um, yeah, and, and that's available um Every, you know, every day, whenever you um, want to book that. And as I say, lunches or dinners.
0: And what is the number for them to call, Michelle?
4: The number of our offices for any queries, in fact, is 021-448-4302.
0: Okay, and people can just call that number and discuss your needs with whoever you're going to speak to on the phone.
4: Yeah, and particularly if, if you are a person with a visual impairment and you need Assistance. You need to. Even if you just need to speak to someone, you need some advice. Um, that's that's also the number to call, and and we can assist you.
0: So it's a, it's a one-stop shop basically.
4: It, it really is. We <laughs> really do try to be a one-stop shop.
0: <laughs> so for any information that you might like to have, or any if you want to buy some of their amazing furniture and all the other things that they make there, or you're going to pop along for lunch or have one of these events, dinners or lunches in the dark, and I'll give out the number again in a moment. Definitely the place to go. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us on the show this evening.
4: Thank you so much for having me. And Mm -hmm. good
0: luck with the summit on Thursday. Thanks so much. Michelle Berta is Funding Development and PRO for the Cape Town Society for the Blind. For more information, you can call them on 21 448 4302 or take a look at the website CTSB.co.za. The disability report with Karin Key we're going to try and chat with Chris Patton again. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, Sandparks recently launched their Wheeling, Feeling, Signing Wild Guide to Universal Access at South African National Parks for guests with disability. And Chris Patton is Project Manager Strategic Tourism Services for Sandparks. Chris, let's hope the line holds this time. Hello, Chris. Oh, not yet. Oh, we're still trying to get hold of Chris. I don't think we've got him on the line. I think we might have had him and then lost him again. And um, have we got him back yet? Not yet. Do we have not have Chris yet? Okay, we're still trying to get him. As I mentioned earlier, I'm going to tell you, probably tell me I'm repeating myself, but just so that you don't forget. This guide, as I said, was called The Wheeling, hang on, I've got to turn the page now. Hang on, let me get back there. It's called The Wheeling, Feeling, Signing Wild, a Comprehensive Guide to Universal Access in South Africa National Parks. It's a wonderful guide, actually. And if you'd like a copy of it, just drop me a mail to disability at safm.co.zn. I'll email that to you. I've already downloaded it also. It's It's not that big, but it's a good few pages. I'll send that off to you on email And you'll be able to have a look at It's something, something nice to keep If you're looking to go on holiday To any of the national parks It's something really worthwhile Taking along with you Right, I think we might have Chris Patton on the line Chris, are you there? Yeah, I'm on my wife's phone now So oh. hopefully <laughs> <me and laughs> the calls Are not going to drop Let's hope so Right, so we were talking about the guide I And mean, we mentioned that It is a universal guide It's not just for people With mobility um, impairments It's also for people With visual and hearing impairments As well And that was yeah, pretty much Where we got to
3: We've tried to cover all the bases. Um, I was saying that there's over the years there's been probably a bigger focus on mobility impairment, I think partly because I'm a paraplegic myself and I've been uh, driving the process from sandparks, but also uh, sensory impairment, whether it's uh, for people with visual impairment or, um, or hearing impairment, is often about attitudinal sensitisation for staff and uh, communication methods rather than uh, the sort of adaption of, of physical facilities obviously there's a little bit of that that's involved but not to the same extent um, so there's definitely been a greater focus on, on uh, mobility impairment but uh, we're trying we're looking at things like uh, tactile exhibits in the park, uh, audio description uh, as, as ways of communicating um, oral emergencies uh, that sort of thing so uh, yeah, there's definitely been been a focus on on other types of disability.
0: So I noticed in the guide that the number of the the parks had sites where things were in Braille, for example.
3: Uh, there's one or two. It's, it's something that that needs to expand, but uh, I'm sure you know. Um, in your contact with the sort of, with the uh, blind uh, se- sector, is that uh, quite a small percentage of. Uh, blind people can actually read read well. mm. So it's a fan- it's fantastic facility, but something like audio description actually reaches mm. a lot uh, a larger number of people and and not only people with with uh with visual disabilities um so th- that's something that that we're looking at but um um just features like um uh, i think of the the uh indigenous nursery there's a lot of uh, scent. Um, yes, that's wonderful. that people can have, uh, uh, plus tactile stuff in terms of feeling the different textures of trees and plants uh, that, are, that are there. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that can do. And hopefully, uh, one other thing that's perhaps worth mentioning is, that in terms of the organization's responsible tourism strategy, um, we've got a set of protocol and guidelines um, on universal access. So... While all the parks have some form of, of accessibility within them, there's an increasing pressure within the organisation to, to improve and, and, and look for, for increasing ways to, to make the parks able to connect with all people, um, regardless of their physical, sensory or intellectual uh, capabilities.
0: The way that the guide has been laid out is, is really great because it, you've got all the different parks but each park has then got a, a description of what you can see and do there but it also has this little, I love things with boxes and this is called accessibility features and it tells you exactly what is available at each of the parks so people know exactly what's there.
3: Yes. And um, I don't know what, when we got cut off the first time, I don't know if you you uh, told the audience uh, but they can get it either in in uh, form for their computer, or in hard copy form, or in uh, uh, for their smartphones d- downloading it onto their app, and they can uh, get that either from our uh, our website, uh, that's www.sandparks.org, uh, or also I believe on the Running Inspiration and the Word for Word Media uh, websites. Um, yeah, so there's a few, few ways they can get hold of the guide.
0: And I've also told them if they really want to be very lazy about the whole thing, they can just email me and I'll just drop them a mail because I've downloaded it myself, so I've got it. And if they want me just to send it to them, I'm quite happy to do that via email, but they can also do it themselves via the app. Perfect. Yeah, no,
3: that's quite right.
0: That's wonderful. Okay, so let's just go through some of these, I mean, some of the places, because I'm not sure if people realize quite how many parks there are that they could visit. There's, I mean, there's actually a load of parks
3: yeah, and, and these, it maybe be important to distinguish, these are only the national parks. Yes. Um, there's also a number of provincial, municipal, and, and privately run parks um, that don't fall under the, uh, the sort of uh, control or management of, of sand parks. So, um, a number of these have looked at various access initiatives, but unfortunately, I can't sort of speak for them. On and their they're not covered sure. in, in the guide. Um, yeah, there's, depending on, on how you look at it, because um, the Garden Route National Park is a bit of a complex park. Uh, you've got uh, three or four proclaimed parks within it, that's Tsitsikamma Wilderness, and, and Nisner, uh, and uh, the park is known as Garden Route National Park, but it's more a sort of biosphere area. So, um, you can talk of there being 18 parks, or 22, if you include those three, plus the head office at Gruncliffe. Um So, yeah, that's around about the number of parks, but the famous ones, Kruger National Park, Table Mountain National Park, Addo Elephant National Park in the Eastern Cape, the Calakari, Transfrontier Park, Golden Gate Highlands National Park uh, in uh, the Eastern Free State, um Gubwe, up in the sort of meeting places in Zimbabwe, Botswana, and South Africa is a very special place, and where South Africa's highest domestic honour, the Order of Mapungubwe, um was inspired from. Um, yeah, so there's pretty much uh, national parks in every every single province except KwaZulu-Natal and Northwest. Those those two provinces don't have national parks in
0: them. And the other nice thing about this as well, right at the very beginning it gives you the list of all the parks, but it also gives you all the contact numbers. You don't even have to go look those up for yourself. They're all in the guide. So it's, it's been made as easy as possible for you to use this and um, there's also some sort of general information and I was also very interested to see that you, there's also a discount for South African disability pensioners so people who receive a disability pension can also receive the same discount as standard aged pensioners, those over 60, of 40% off accommodation prices
3: Yeah that's right, outside of the the, the peak periods, the school yes. holidays and public mm. holidays, uh, yeah we try and sort of uh, give little perks to, to South African disability pensioners
0: that's rather nice as well. And then you've also got a piece on the booking procedure, so it gives you exactly how you go about doing that. And also transport and tours is another section that's in here as well, telling people um, one of the challenges facing people with disabilities is actually getting around the parks generally and going on the, the tours, and you tell them all about that as well.
3: Yes, we do. And maybe a sort of little sort of heads up to some of the the tour operators who specialize in that sort of thing um, you know, a person can travel to the parks on their own steam, but very often for a person with disability, that's quite a difficult thing to do. So there are some tour operators who've uh, specialized in um, adapted uh, transport vehicle, and uh, they sort of know the ins and outs of, of where to book and where to go, where to take uh, people with disabilities to give them the experience of going on accessible nature trails or to accessible bird hides and picnic sites, and that sort of thing so they can have um, a, a sort of real quality experience when they're in the parks.
0: And to finish off, uh, Chris, one of the last things, just a reminder always to people that if you're going to be visiting the parks, one of the best things to do is to go off and get yourself a wild card.
3: Absolutely. The wild card, for those who don't know, is, is a loyalty program that um, uh, sort of links you, not just to, to South African national parks, but also to some partners like uh, the Provincial Parks and Cuisine Natal. Uh, big game parks in Swaziland, uh, Northwest Parks um, and Cape Nature Parks. So um, a lot of the provincial parks bodies as well. It's a loyalty program and uh, with that you, you get uh, free uh, access into the parks. So if you visit the park on a daily basis, any park around the country, there will be um, a conservation fee and sort of basically a utility fee for, for being in that park to use the, the roads, the services, uh, that sort of thing. And make a contribution back to to nature conservation uh, but if you're a wild card member uh, that that fee gets waived and um, so you'll pay a once off fee for the for the card for the year and it all depends on you as an individual how many days you're going to be in in national parks throughout the year whether you want to to acquire the card or if you want to um, just pay the individual rate that'll be down to the individual choice we've got uh, family Uh, and couple arrangements on those cars. So it'll all be dependent on on the individual, what works best for them.
0: Definitely something to go off and do. But Chris, thank you very much indeed for joining us on the show this evening. Glad we finally got to chat. No,
3: it's wonderful. Thanks, Brian.
0: Chris Patton is Project Manager of Strategic Tourism Services for Sand Parks. If you'd like a copy of the guide, drop me a mail to disability at safm.co.za or you can download the app from sandparks.org. And that's it for the Disability Report. Next Tuesday, the 13th, I'll be back with our monthly phone-in. And with July being Mental Health Awareness Month, I'll be joined by Dr. Franz Korb, we will be talking about all things to do with mental health. Anything you want to find out about the show, Disability on SAFM on Facebook Or on the email disability at SAFM. I'm Karen Key. Thanks for joining me. But right now, rather late, it's time for Stephen Kirker with some late night music. Hi, Stephen. And so sorry I'm late.
3: No, that's all right. It is called late night music after all. uh, (laughs) Karen back again tomorrow for time to travel. Anyway, yes, uh, with you till midnight. Let's get into the news and uh, then the music.